0: No, I'm about to put this guy so hard on blast that we should probably at least get his name right. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Adam.
1: Thanks for stopping by our sets today today we're talking about ben dwinker's plateau loops and hybrid tonics we've got livy hello adam hello and i'm seth adam was in charge of reviewing uh ben dwinker's plateau loops and hybrid tonics so i'm gonna pass it to him and let him lead the discussion
0: all right so yeah we got this really fun article uh about pop music uh, I sacrificed greatly for you guys. Um, I subjected myself to the chain smokers for this article. Um, <laughs> yeah. There I goes joke. that
1: chain smoker audience that we had.
0: Yeah, oh, we lost them. Oh no. Um, I don't know. did you guys like this article? You looked at it.
1: Um, I was fine with it. I think my general, kind of as I started going through all of these, it was kind of one of those hey, I'm not I don't feel like disagreeing with anybody. I feel like generally if somebody was going to disagree with you that would have more degrees and would be more well-rounded in that subject area would have told you sooner because these are peer-reviewed journals
0: mm-hmm.
1: journal journals journal mm-hmm. articles so it's not necessarily right or wrong it was just kind of like okay I agree and then thinking bigger thoughts about well you know one of the points was what is tonic and should we redefine where that is Mm
0: -hmm. which I like that thought experiment yeah that was that's probably my favorite part of the article um Libby what about you
2: uh kind of like the last episode we did um I don't have tons of comments but the one I do have is kind of general and may be another sort of lead-in um I was kind of, like, biased against this article, which, uh, just in general, whenever I see articles about, like... I don't know. It's, like, a thing in my head. The ambiguous progressions in pop music or rock music, like, to me, that's, like, a type of article. Um, and it feels like a lot of them come to similar points. I won't say the same point. Yes. And there's always, like, nuances... Very valid points that they're making, but um, my bias against this from the beginning was like, okay, it seems like this could be another, like, ambiguous progressions in pop music. And my thought was, what's gonna make this unique and definitive enough to create these two new labels, Plateau Loops and Hypertonics? And so I was just like, kind of from from the beginning, I was like, okay, and I know this is a poor attitude, but I was like, just kind of waiting for um, Dwinker to like prove that this was unique and definitive, Mm -hmm. because I was kind of biased against it. But um, I thought it was really interesting. And the plateau loop, uh, he kind of lost me on it a little bit, not in the sense of like, I didn't get what he was saying, but just that it wasn't, inc- from what I understood, it didn't go quite as concrete as I wanted it to, but then he kind of yeah. won me back a little bit with the hybrid tonic, I really liked that, mm-hmm. that concept, I thought it was really neat, so, okay. by the end of yeah. it, I was generally sold, but like, especially on the hybrid tonic, but even with like a plateau loop, I was like, I understand that it's unique, and how it's, how he describes it as differing from the Aeolian progressions, which I think is what we, more typically see in these articles but um I was like I get that it's different and then it's doing its own thing but at the same time I was like did it merit this label and I get that it does just for the sake of being able to describe music like music theory is about language and how we can describe things and make points but to me personally I was like I don't know it's just it's it's yet another like ambiguous chord progression where we feel that this is tonic but it's not uh Roman numeral one, you know? Right. But that being said, I did really like Hypertonic. He won me back at the end. I <laughs> can't, can't yeah.
1: wait for the deep cut where Adam juxtaposes Livy saying, eh, narrativity is a crock. And then next to, you know, music theory. It's all about language and how we're describing things.
2: I did not mean that in a narrative sense. Let me put that on the record. I mean that in a very technical sense.
0: I mean, I never <laughs> noticed it before, but Livy's opposition to narrative theory is really coming to the forefront in the last it's couple not episodes. Opposition. <laughs> it's becoming opposition.
2: It's 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 There's more something just growing like steadily have,
0: inside of you.
2: I just have a lot less to contribute, and it's more about my um, lack of engagement in narrative theory than anything else. Uh, Hmm. and like i've only gotten into these surface surface level aspects of narrative theory so i have very little to contribute so it's just to say when they go in a narrative direction i'm like i don't really know what theories they're talking about and so it just sounds subjective to me the uninformed
1: right just don't be afraid of the wormhole just go down the narrative wormhole just jump right in everybody else is slowly going there I right.
2: tried. I read about two-thirds of pieces of Tradition. That's not narrative. Um, the, what is... <laughs> I caught myself. I caught myself. What's um, one? What's... Uh, which one did I read? Uh, oh, it was the Almain. Al-Main. I, read, like, I read like two-thirds of the Almain. It was good. I bought it. I just didn't finish it. Um, and narrative just isn't my thing. I'm Ooh, not opposed to it. It's just not my thing.
1: Yeah, I would say... I like the book, but I think there is, as far as the mindset of that seems a little subjective, I don't know if I could get behind that. I don't know that I really buy that it's this way for all times. Um, I, I can definitely see where from that book you would get some of those things because a lot of it is topic heavy and basing analysis off of that Mm -hmm. and he does make statements in there that you know clarify like hey this isn't the only way to do it but it does feel like there's so much content in there about that that you start to feel like that is like he's saying that without saying it but
2: it didn't uh, like shape my impression of narrative theory in any negative way not at all And also, I feel like we've shifted the discussion to trying to pit me against all of the narrative theorists, which is not what this episode is about.
0: I'm still just a baby (laughs) narrative theorist, so you know. I I was gonna say people gotta—they still
1: gotta be hard on the narrative theorists. You know, don't don't let them off too easy. You know, they're the hipsters of the group. Like, they need a little little tough times on them. Mm
0: -hmm. All right, so plateau loops. Uh, in this article, um, he starts off by talking about chord loops, which uh, I think everybody's pretty familiar with, just the idea that in pop music, um, that you can have a chord progression that is not focused on a goal. like It doesn't necessarily follow the traditional phrase model. Um, it has repeated harmonic patterns. It's not goal-oriented. If it is goal-oriented, it's the goal is its own beginning. Like it's just supposed to wrap around on itself. Essentially, Dwinker's zooming in on one specific type of chord loop that, that he's identified. Um, he, he uses some research from uh, Dahl, 2017, which I didn't go back and source properly. Um, Christopher Dahl, Hearing Harmony Towards a Total Theory for the Rock Era, um, where he uses some of his idea, he adapts some of those ideas to like, figure out tonal centers and stuff like that. Um, but the, the key idea in this article is plateau loops, which... Oh, sorry, before that, he, he just talks about how, like, oftentimes that the melodic content and the harmonic content of music can differ um, and disagree with each other, and then it becomes sort of almost like a listener bias sort of thing. Uh, depending on which one you hear is more important is going to be where you place the analysis. So if something comes off clearly in the melody, but it's not there in the harmony, it depends on what you what you see is more important to help coming to a ter- determination of what like the tonal center would be. Um, he even offers the idea that maybe we should stop trying to be so focused on finding a single tonic sensor and just embrace duality. But he says that in passing. I guess it was too radical.
1: I mean, it is pretty radical.
2: I really like that discussion. I think that that's a very relevant one to all of these like ambiguity in pop music. Yeah. It's all about perception.
1: Yes, very much so. And like to me, there was there were some like Lairdall-esque comments where, and Lairdall in his basic pitch space, um, the idea being that you could determine preference of. What key do I hear this melody or this harmony in based on surrounding factors? And so I think that that was, at least to me, very relatable of, yeah, you could definitely be focused more on the melody. Like There might be some groove that's happening in the background, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm relying on that to determine where the goal was. It may be melodically of what do I expect to happen next?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So plateau loops are a specific type of chord loop where he's adapting this also from the Aeolian progression, which Livy mentioned earlier. The Aeolian progression is like in a minor key when you have the major 6, the major 7, and the 1, and they kind of just like circle through that. Um, His specific plateau loop is the major version of that where you go through the 4 and the 5 and the minor 6. And lots of songs do this. And there are also different slight variations. It's pretty much just a combination of a four and a five and a six in some sort of repetition. So an open passing loop would be four, five, six. A circular passing loop would step back down to the five. So it's four, five, six, five. And oftentimes that second five is like really short to emphasize how much it's like a passing motion. You can get them out of order and do like a four, six, five. You can add in like an extra chord, like a one-six or a three or a three-seven, something tonic-ish, but that's not really going to like stabilize you. Again, those happen in sort of passing contexts as well. And then my favorite one, he just calls the plateau shuffle, which is just a four and a five back and forth.
2: Adam, can I jump in real quick? Yeah. Um. This is. I I imagine he goes into this in the article, and I'm just forgetting where, but. Um. I'm trying to sit here and think through, how would you define something as 4, 5, 6 when it's major, major, minor, versus 6, 7, 1 when it's major, major, minor? If we're saying that, like, 6, and they're both kind of directionless, what defines one over the other? I'm trying to think about the relationship between those chord groups. Is there a difference in whole steps and half steps, 4,
0: 5, 6 versus 6, 7, 1? I mean, I guess it depends on if the song's major or minor, right? Is that
2: right. Mean? Well, I'm also. I'm just trying to think. Like in a in any key. If, let's say we're in like C major. Four, five, six is going to be, F, G, A. If we're in C minor, six, seven, one. Are we talking flat seven or? Uh, is it subtonic? Yes. Probably. They a probably wouldn't put it. Yeah. I don't think you'd build a major on a leading tone, even in less conventional. Let's say right. if you're in C minor, that would be um, A flat, B flat, C. So that's whole, whole, and we said that FGA, it's whole, whole. So yeah, so it's 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 all whole steps. So I guess just in my head, I'm like, how would you decide that something is four, five, six? And you're also saying that tonic is ambiguous. So what makes that four, five, six versus six, seven, one?
0: Hmm, that is a good question. I guess uh, just whether
2: it feels minor versus feels major, even if the tonic isn't well-defined.
0: Yeah, I guess so.
2: That's just something that didn't occur to me when I was reading it, but it occurred to me when you were talking about it. I think it also depends Sorry. on just
0: like what the key signature of the song is. Like that, the, uh, I guess one of that's the big fair, ex- if you have notation yeah. in front of you, yeah. Yeah, one of the big examples he uses is the something just like this, the Chainsmokers song featuring Coldplay. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's notated in D major. And it goes through...
2: That's very fair. G at <laughs> 9, take <laughs> A
0: add 4, B minor. And so I there was not so accounting like four, five, for the six. actual music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it almost tripped me up. I and mean, then I remembered that we had the actual music. Um, Although
2: it, it takes it back to that idea of like perception. Like, if you don't have the music in front of you, how does something feel more like a 4-5-6 as opposed to a 6-7...
0: Well, yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit later on where that Chainsmokers song specifically um, doesn't feature a single chord with a root of D. Mm Mm-hmm. And so your tonic triad never actually shows up in that song. So it's notated in D major, but if you're never going to get tonic, what are you listening for? Where are you centered? Uh, Which
2: is, I guess, kind of the question he's aiming to answer.
0: Right.
1: Um, Well, I... I thought oh, and some of the analysis he did that that was an important thing to bring up was like there's plenty of progressions that even if you play tonic it you wouldn't necessarily say oh I played tonic. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he was getting at with when the loop comes back you're okay accepting the start of the loop as the end because um and I guess why I could relate to this is I, when I tried to write music earlier on when I was in high school, a lot of what I was doing was playing these kinds of loops because I would read lead sheets or other things, and this is what I was used to playing. And so mm. I would do that and improv with the right hand over the top. But then I would get kind of frustrated because I would try to end it, and I would try to end on... A tonic and that didn't sound right mm-hmm. and i couldn't necessarily figure out why it didn't sound right and i think the issue was because tonic yeah that was the one chord in that scale but that didn't mean that that
0: was necessarily tonic mm-hmm. and if you're playing like in a plateau loop you're not necessarily doing anything that leads to tonic Mm-hmm. So not only is it an unfamiliar harmony if it comes out of nowhere, you haven't done anything to prepare for it. Right. Well, because you're using you're that, using five at a passing motion essentially. So you've completely deconstructed the power of five.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and then beyond that, if you're playing or the melody is pentatonic on top of that, then mm-hmm. that's another cyclical like, yeah, you've got a group of three and a group of two. But where does that pentatonic scale really start or end could be up to you.
0: He has an example um, of a, oh, who is it? A Fleetwood Mac song that the melody uh, is. Dreams. Yeah, that's the melody is only pentatonic and it avoids the pitch F. And so some people right. read the melody and say, oh, well, it's, you know, it's this. And some people read the, the harmony and say, oh, it's this. It's like, yeah, pentatonic specifically does throw a pretty big wrench into things.
1: Yeah, and so I think between when you have that um, plateau loop that's its own circle, and then melodically, if the pitch classes you're using are another loop that then trying to pinpoint one spot on both of those loops and say, here's tonic, that that could become like mucky business, even when you're working with you know, three chords and five melodic
0: Mm -hmm. notes. Mm -hmm. Another thing to be noted is that these plateau loops can support like three, two, one motion. Like it can support it in like a Shankarian way, just using the wrong chords, but it can be, you know, accurately supported. So then you say, well, if we're supporting like a three, two, one melody with chords from a different harmony, why don't we just call that harmony like tonic?
2: that's
0: what i'm saying which I i think is the point he gets to at the end of the article yeah
2: yeah he does tie it all together
0: um but i guess
1: i guess in a weird way kind of the point that livy was getting at is what's the difference between four five minor six and flat six flat seven both major and then a minor one i think you know As far as what Adam was saying, if you're going to use Roman numerals, even though they wouldn't necessarily help hearing it because tonic would be wrong, I guess I would rather see it with reference to the written key signature. Mm -hmm. I guess Mm -hmm. visually that's what I think I would prefer. But maybe maybe that's more like conditioning than anything else.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite parts of the article, and Livy mentioned it as well, is that he tries to he references um, Drew Noble, 2016 article "Harmonic Function in Rock Music: A Syntactical Approach" from the Journal of Music Theory, um, where apparently that article he tried to he said it says decoupling of harmonic function from chord type. Um, He talks about function as a category and function as a syntax, Syntax, Mm -hmm. where we have, we can say tonic, but we mean a lot of things when we say tonic, Mm because we're talking about the tonic pitch, which is, we're talking about the tonic chord, and the tonic pitch supports the tonic chord as its root, Mm -hmm. and then that also, like, leads into scale and key and stuff like that, and so... He, he lobbies for the idea that we should separate, we should talk about tonal center for, yeah, for that, for being a tonal center and separate tonic from tonal center. That way we can talk about a one chord without implying that it has to be the tonal center. So for these examples where mm-hmm. the Roman numerals say, this is your tonic triad, but then what you hear, a one is not represented as your tonal center. We need to be able to separate the idea of tonic away from that
2: a fair point
0: um, and then he goes even a step further he includes uh, a Harrison writing from 1994 I think yeah
1: Yeah, that was the I think the original Harrison book
0: Yeah. which I thought was kind of funny music.
1: I thought it was kind of funny that he was going all the way back there and I was like Harrison had something that was just written two years ago
0: yeah yeah it's true but in that book, Harrison presents, or no, I'm sorry. Uh, what's this guy's name? Uh, Doinker. Doinker. Doinker builds on what Harrison wrote about in that book to come up with a third category, which is function as rhetoric, which means that there are rhetorical ways in which chords can become emphasized to become tonic centers. Um And he adapted Harrison's four rhetorical techniques of tonic function to pop music, to the plateau loops. Um, And I just wrote down what Dwinker's uh, rhetorical tonic techniques were, but they are a song's final chord can assume tonic function, chords that begin sections can assume tonic function, harmonic stasis and immobility can attract tonic function, and chords supporting a cadential melodic one can be heard in a tonic context. He has examples for each of those. And so what he calls, so like a rhetorical tonic, so let's see, a chord that begins a section. So we're talking about plateau loops. Every time you get back to the beginning of that plateau loop would technically be a section. So we're talking about a 4, five, six, 4 is going to be your chord that begins a section. So that would make it a rhetorical tonic. Well, when you pair it with what we mentioned earlier that those loops can support 3, two, 1 motion, you generally get a four chord with a melodic pitch of one on top of it. So now you have both a rhetorical tonic based on the beginning of a section and a rhetorical tonic based on supporting a cadential one. And he says that the combination of those two things creates a hybrid tonic. Where now the emphasis of the harmony and the emphasis of the melody, although they're not really working together, have formed a new tonic. And that's the most common one that comes up when he's talking about these hybrid tonics. He's talking about the four at the beginning of these uh, plateau loops that supports a cadential melodic one. Um, for example, like a, uh, oh, I guess it wasn't the Chain Smoker song I said earlier, a different Chain Soaker song, Paris, that came out before the something yeah. just like this. Paris, that one says it's in the key of D, but it doesn't feature a one chord, and it features no chords with a root of D. It does have a four chord supporting a cadential one, is part of a plateau loop though. So he says that this that would be a hybrid tonic. Um, he has a lot of examples. I won't bog you down with all the examples. There's lots of different variations and types. You know, based on I told you there are different types of plateau loops. Um, he he expands for to further use um, the other rhetorical techniques like the harmonic stasis. He does say that the song's final chord assumes tonic function. That one comes up the least. And he says that that one might not be useful. But the other three are, are good, especially the, the ones that I mentioned work together the most. He's got a really weird example um, in Midnight City, a personal favorite of mine by the band M83, that I don't even quite understand. And like I said, I won't bog you down with the details. Um, but he says that there's significant evidence to say That a hybrid tonic does exist in Midnight City, but it doesn't actually show up. It never actually arrives. Which I just think is odd. I believe him. (laughs) I I believe him. I forget which episode it was, but you were the
1: one who was stating that you could have a 371 line and that it fully supported a 2 that was an imaginary note. So... I just think it's funny that you don't want him to use imaginary nights.
0: <laughs> but Schenker talks about implied tones.
1: Yeah, and Doinker talked about so implied was... tones here. <laughs> we,
0: analyzed, we analyzed art songs that substitute, like in a if it repeats a line three times, the second time sometimes substitutes a pitch seven for a pitch two. And it's implied. We talked about that. That's a thing
1: oh it, I mean it's definitely a thing I'm not denying that it's a thing
2: because Shanker said it's a thing but so this yeah. isn't a thing just because Dwinker says it's a thing
0: no I agree with Dwinker I'm just saying <laughs> it gets so it gets so esoteric that he's saying that he's found evidence of a hybrid tonic that isn't actually present in the mm-hmm. song which I think is no. very strange and very interesting Yeah. Uh,
2: can I, I jump in with one more like kind of like my other question. Um, Again, something that didn't occur to me when I was reading the article, but occurred to me just now. Um, How do you think, coming from the perspective of this article, like, when we say uh, that Chainsmokers song is looks to be in D major, and we're saying that because the key signature is two sharps, is that?
0: Yes, yes. Okay,
2: so what... What if we just called that, um, would it be G-Lydian? Yeah. What if we just called that G-Lydian? Like, what, what's to say that that's not correct from the perspective of this article?
1: Mm. I mean, I think it would be, like, there would be some evidence for that. I think the you would run melodically into issues.
2: Okay. Gotcha. But then
1: I guess some of... What Dwanker was saying was yeah, because you if you're have considering the... things in different areas, because I, I mean I'm kind of on board with Livy is that if we're willing to just jump ship and say, yeah, let's just call it an Aeolian progression. I mean, you could just as easily call it one, two, three, and G Lydian.
2: It's just as I say, and I wasn't even thinking modally like throughout our conversation so far is just specifically when you say something like it appears to be in this key but we never hear that tonic Right. that's when I shift gears and go oh well is it because it's in a mode you know Mm -hmm. we don't normally lean towards modes in a lot of the music that we're looking at but like a lot of pop music and more like rock and all that stuff is I think intended as a mode not saying that all of the pieces he mentions are, but, like, I think it's fair to say a lot of popular music is written modally. Right. And so my, my and so I just go to, like, well, why do we need to come up with I a
0: mean, like he's, not, he's not opposed explanation to,
2: for it if it's modal?
0: Yeah, he's not opposed to modal explanations. Like, I gave you the example at the beginning of right. the Fleetwood Mac song that he says could be an F. Lydian. Mm-hmm. Or it could be in C. It could be around C or A. Just depending on on what you want to hear out of it. Um, gotcha.
2: I guess I'd just be interested to say like see him analyze something using his loops, and then see another analysis of it where it's just modal, and kind of right. have like a weigh them against each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well specifically that Midnight City example, he says, simultaneously presents the possibilities of Lydian, Aeolian, and Ionian tonics. Oh,
2: well, that's... Yeah, that's interesting. That's a lot less... That's a lot more ambiguous.
0: Right. And that's why that one's so weird, is then by the time you wrap around to the mode that he thinks it's actually in is when you're not getting the chord that it should be Mm -hmm. because of how ambiguous it is.
2: Gotcha. Um, And in that situation, like, I totally buy... The idea, especially this hybrid tonic idea, like, mm-hmm. is is very compelling because it's combining the harmony and the melody, like that's. I like that. It feels objective to me, um, and I also like his, I, his the fact that he sets out rules for the rhetorical function of tonic. Right. That also feels objective. Um, it's just that if you could also. I think if it's clearly modal, it feels a little bit unnecessary, but at the same time, maybe, I was gonna say, could you end up coming to the same result? Like, so let's say, no, because like, let's say in that um, Chainsmokers song, you'd still be calling it four, whereas if it was modal, that would be like the tonic chord, it would just have different signature. Right. Yeah.
0: And again you're still getting you're still getting credential melodic material
2: you're still agreeing what chord it's centered on it's just really at that point a matter of notation or description more mm-hmm.
0: than anything but it is I, also is it, oh go ahead
1: seth oh uh, i was just gonna say like some of this may help explain why he thinks it's necessary to like bring up a new term into the mix that plateau loops and hybrid tonics is necessary because just saying a certain mode may not make as much sense as if we just said yeah we're like in this key because that's the key signature that's written but right. you'll under you'll like hear it better if you understand it as a plateau loop that's just doing this pattern over and mm-hmm. over again
0: and he's specifically pulling examples where the melodic content still generally resides in the key that it says it's written in and it's the harmonies that are I guess being weird in a sense being deceptive in a way
1: some real 21st century analysis yeah it, uh, <laughs> some crazy uh, chords that they pull together
0: <laughs> oh, you boy, know those
1: that, 21st 21st that, century musicians
0: yeah that 4 add 9 just really blew my mind <laughs> <laughs> okay um, look you go whole tone up from
1: chord to chord when has that ever happened Debussy maybe some planing from major chord straight into another major chord <laughs> yeah 21st century following his footsteps
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knew the chase Gords and Debussy were so close together <laughs> you can see the direct Are lineage they, of, of Composorial whatever <laughs> I,
1: I only hope that there is um, something out there that has the Chainsmokers like, yeah, our influences, you know, Keith Richards,
0: uh, Led Zeppelin, and uh, Debussy. <laughs> Would you say that, uh, I don't know if enough of the Chainsmokers, but I feel like Keith Richards and that other one that you said are a pretty hard pull, Led Zeppelin. Anyway, yeah, anyway, anyway, there's one more, one more <laughs> thing I wanted to talk about in this article um is that he also says that it can be very like a passing thing like it doesn't have to be uh uh it's not the entire song you can can have sectional centricity Uh, so he uses this example of a song called tornado by jonesy that came out in 2010 um but as the instrumentation of the song builds um suddenly your centers can become different Um, so like in the intro he's just going between like four and six And so your harmonic, and like the even the vocals, like your harmonic material is focused on F and A. So your tonal center is just F. Like there's not really a big question about it. Um, So it starts in F Lydian. Then as the chorus comes in, you get more chords. Like you get a five inserted in between those. So now we're in a plateau loop. And the way that it's focused now, your tonal center is on A. And the second verse comes in and he's added, he's slightly changed the chords again. So now you're either focused on C or A you know and so then you're getting like your your hybrid tonics but then like as stuff comes out towards the end of the song and it fades back out you should just settle back into like f lydian um so it also depends on the sections that you're in as well it doesn't have to be for the whole piece it can be a shifting thing i get that
2: me too sorry no constructive comment on it just yeah yeah
0: yeah, it could be C Ionian, A Aeolian, or F Lydian, depending on the section, depending on the exact chord progression, depending on how the uh, you know the instrumentation is supporting that chord progression. Um, it, again, it's up to your perception as a listener. It's also up to um, just what's happening in the music. It can be very transient.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, that's that's pretty much hybrid tonics and plateau loops. I like it. Um, my favorite part again is is the idea of trying to separate. The concept of tonic from a tonal center. Um, As somebody whose research is about, you know, trying to tear down the concept of tonic, uh, you know, just any (laughs) help I can get. (laughs) So I'm
2: against the narrative people. You're against all people who like tonal music. No, no,
0: that's not what I said. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't. No, I was trying to
0: argue for some. I was trying to find some sort of tonal center in atonal music. Um, and so it's very difficult to try to fight with tonic when you're writing about finding a tonal a center, not even a tonal center, just finding a center and a tonal music. And so any fuzziness that we can bring to the idea of tonic, uh, just helps me out. That's fair.
1: I mean, as long as you're not in like the 1700s, I think you're going to be okay on slowly making a case for, well, what if it was this?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's true. You think Bach ever used any? Pla- Maybe the Circle of Fifths is just a plateau loop.
1: You know that is kind of. Oh, I don't remember if it was the plateau loop or if it was something else. But that's at some point I thought, well, yeah, it's just no. It was um. It was the jazz um, that on some level, if you have the right voice leading, and you're just you're always moving. And so the circle of fifths kind of is, you know, a circle. So you always could keep moving somewhere else. Yeah, it just, it's a much longer circle than the four chord one.
0: Yes. That's all I had on that article. Anybody else have any last thoughts?
1: No. Also, I'm about to have to jump into a virtual lesson, so.
0: Gotcha.
2: I'm good overall he sold me i was skeptical going in but (laughs) he sold me on it i like um i don't you know i don't want to sound like i don't buy any of those ambiguous progression articles um it's more so just that i don't engage enough to really see the nuance in them but this one i was like oh this is once like i got into it i was like oh yeah this is like unique and feels different and a little bit more objective. Yeah, I liked it.
1: Yeah, so just in case anybody was wondering, Ben Doinker is a Montreal-based music theorist. He's a percussionist, educator, choral tenor, and composer. Having enjoyed a musical childhood, he began post-secondary studies in civil engineering but switched to music full-time at age 21. Doinker currently pursues a PhD in music theory at McGill University. He also performs and tours extensively with architect percussion, not spelled like it sounds,
0: uh, Mm -hmm. quartet
1: specializing in avant-garde crossover and electroacoustic chamber music. Um, And, oh, it's not on this page, but it's under his, he's got a website, bendoinker.com. Not a sponsor, but it just felt like saying it. Uh, he's got an article forthcoming in the Music Theory Spectrum Segmentation, Phrase, and Meter in Hip-Hop Music so I don't know when forthcoming is but that'll be something to look forward to because I enjoyed the pop music article that he did thanks for stopping by guys we'll talk to you next time Um, in the meantime if you haven't, feel free to reach out to us on some of the social media platforms that we're on as we remember which ones those are I believe we're on Facebook and Twitter. That sounds right. Yes. And us? you can also shoot us an email at OurSatsPodcast. Podcast. So if you just have a comment, you want to let us know what you are listening to. Do you want to put a at website email. at
0: the end of that email address or no?
1: <laughs> at the wait, out of
0: that. You just oursatspodcast. said our sets podcast, yeah. Uh, if you yell Our Sats Podcast at your, your laptop loudly <laughs> enough, it will get to us.
1: It it will, but it'll also get to us better if you complete the email, which would be oursatspodcast at gmail.com. There we go. There we go. Um, but yeah, reach out to us through email, Facebook, Twitter. We'd love to hear from you guys, hear what you think about the episodes, the articles, um, re- reviews was a new thing that we're trying if you didn't like it let us know if you did like it let us know if you want to hear something different hear us talk about a different article you know we're happy to hear about it and talk about it as we're
0: starting this podcast if you didn't like it just chill let us play (laughs) in the space you know we had to spread our wings
1: Also, speaking of liking things, it would be great if you subscribe to the podcast as well as give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you happen to find this podcast. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: boston accent i'm gonna make every time you say that into like a super cut and then put that as like the opening funny thing at the beginning of the episode <laughs> just say yeah. doinka you know 30 <laughs> times doinker doinka doink,
1: doink doink doinker, doinka doink doinker 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 doink doinker doink, doink, doink. doink. doink.